0: Bang, bang. We are back. The second string podcast. Been a minute. Been a minute, guys. Hand up. That's on me. It's only really been a week. Week plus two days. I think last week I uploaded on Tuesday. This one's going to go out on Friday. It's good to be back though. Can we take a moment? Just give me a, if you're listening, if you're driving, you're on your way to work, whatever it is, you're maybe at work. I like to listen to pods at work. Can we just get a real quick. Wow. We're here. It's Friday that week. We just had never stood a fucking chance. Okay. Never stood a chance. It's the weekend, positive vibes only. If you're in Detroit, Michigan, like all of my friends and family, the sun is going to be shining. Miguel Cabrera is chasing 3,000. We got the Tigers and the Rockies every day this week, and it's positive vibes, good times, and having fun. If you're on the West Coast with myself, Newport Beach, California, more of the same, except you don't get to watch the Detroit Tigers in person. So you tell me who has it better this weekend. Welcome back. We are covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. This is the Detroiter. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Folks, we're presented by the second string. You want some of this action? Eat them up, Tigers. You want some new Detroit stuff? I got my other shirt hanging up right over there. I would bring it out. Um, I would wear it, but it smells like a fire. I had a fire this weekend. Still smells like fire. Kind of Kind of nuts how that works. Like fire is the most powerful smell on the planet. So I don't have that on because I don't want to smell like fire again. And we are presented by Detroit Sports Nation. Biggest Detroit Sports blog, biggest Detroit Sports Facebook page. Check them out on Instagram. Check out the website, all that good stuff. We're in the DSN family these days. The Detroiter, myself, Nick Bradley, we are in and we are amongst. We are holding hands and spreading the love with the DSN family. Let's get into today's episode. It's that weird time, right? I said we were coming up on it. The last couple weeks, I've just been staring down the barrel of, you know, sports are kind of – we're getting into that point. The Pistons have been done, right? There's nothing new going on with them. The Red Wings are just run out the clock territory. Nothing fun. Dylan Larkin had a surgery on his core. He's done for the year. I think that was announced on either Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Um, They actually beat Tampa the other night, which is uh, – Einstein, that's a question for you. That's a question for Sir Isaac Newton. He figured out why the Apple falls back down. Why did the Red Wings beat the Tampa Bay Lightning the other day? That's one for Sir Isaac. Um, They're just run out the clock. Jakob Ron has been great. Like, it's awesome. We still get to see Sider and Raymond dominate as 20 year olds. But get me to the finish line. Like, this season, the wheels really fell off on the Red Wings this year when March came around, didn't they? Like, they really fell off in the month of March. It felt great. This season was very fun all year long. They were competitive. They were in most games. They were winning games. They were winning games like that Tampa game where you're beating teams you probably shouldn't beat. They kept it interesting enough in the standings and the playoffs. I'm not so sure anyone ever really believed they were going to catch Boston and make the playoffs, but like they made it a thought. They made it a possibility. right? They gave you a reason to, hey, you know what? You haven't checked the standings this week. Why don't you go check them? You might not see anything you particularly like, but you can check them. It's worth a check. They'll make you go, okay, they're about where they thought, but at least you considered it. Now March came around and it just, everything fell apart. It was kind of like this team was built for a 50-game season, 60-game season, maybe. And then they started to get to that point where Larkin's playing injured. Some other guys, the depth pieces are falling off. These young guys, as great as Raymond and Sider have been, Valeno, maybe they're not <coughs> excuse me. Maybe they're not a hundred percent ready for the grind of an 82-game season traveling. And it's just like the bad team showed. The bad team ended up prevailing. The the Red Wings that were in the lottery last year. That are gonna be in the lottery again this year. The rebuilding Detroit Red Wings that haven't made an effort to win a Stanley Cup in five, six years. They're the ones that came through this weekend. Plain and simple. Or this this last month. Plain and simple. It is the way it is. Like we've said it a thousand times. Now you can come to me, you can go to 97-1, the winged wheel pod, whoever, no free shout-outs, whoever you want to go to. Listen. We were all in the same boat. We wanted, I think, we wanted this season to be competitive. We wanted to see guys like Larkin, Raymond, Sider, Vrana when he did play, step up and show that they can be pieces of the future. And I think all things considered, like, that did happen. Nedeljkovic kind of fell off, which was disappointing. Zadina really never showed anything at all. Like, he scored a couple goals, but, like, scoring a couple goals. Phil Zadina, you what was he, the fourth overall pick? We didn't bring him in. Our expectation for him, our highest hopes aren't, Oh, he scored a couple goals. No, no, no. Or if unless a couple's like 20, 25, our expectation's is not he scored a couple goals. So there were guys that I think kind of made it worth it and fulfilled that expectation, got us gassed up, got me ready for next season. But at the same time, March happened. They started getting blown the fuck out. Like not only just losing games, like it happens. You're going to go on runs. That's how hockey works. You're going to win a few in a row. You're going to lose a few in a row. I just have the problem with getting embarrassed. I have a problem with giving up 10 goals to the Maple Leafs, giving up nine goals to the, to the lightning, giving up seven goals to Florida. Like that's where I have the problem. And Dylan Larkin said it best after they lost to Florida last week. Like people need to fucking realize I know Detroit hasn't been the Detroit Red Wings since 2014 or so people need to realize. And he was kind of talking people within the organization, not me and you people that are putting on ice skates and playing the game of hockey at Little Caesars Arena 41 times a year, they need to realize, like, you play for the Detroit Red Wings. You're not playing no disrespect for the Nashville Predators. You're not playing for the Arizona Coyotes. You're playing for the Detroit Red Wings, a franchise that has almost invented the word excellence when it comes to the NHL, that has known really nothing but excellence since the 1970s, an organization that is led by a guy in Steve Eiserman who knows nothing but excellence. You need to fucking realize that. Like, we all know it's not the most talented roster in the world. We don't expect you to go out and smash Florida or smash Tampa Bay. No, 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 you shouldn't because you don't have the talent. What we do expect is for you to go out every night wearing the winged wheel, wearing the one, one of the most proudest patches in sports. And fucking act like you're proud of it. Act like it means something to you. Act like, you know what? This season may not end up in me holding the Stanley Cup, but I'm playing for the Detroit Red Wings, and that means a hell of a lot to me tonight. That means a hell of a lot to me in this game right now. I'm going to bust ass and do everything I can to win. If we fall short, we fall short. Larkin said it real well, and it came to fruition a little bit, winning against Tampa. But that is what's going on. That is what has been going on since the month of March. People just, oh, who gives a fuck? Like, I'm cashing a check, mail it in, we're not making the playoffs. Whatever, I'll go to the rink, go home, throw on a movie, rinse, repeat. Like, people, there needs to be a greater appreciation for what the Detroit Red Wings should be. And every franchise should strive to be like this, right? Like, look at Florida. Nobody gave a fuck about the Florida Panthers up until two years ago. Like, even now, they're a wagon. They might win the Stanley Cup. They're one of the best teams in the league. Dude, I don't know how many people necessarily give a fuck about Florida anyways, but they should, right? Even in Florida's darkest days, you should. You're a pro athlete. You play NHL hockey. Like, every time you take the ice, you should do everything in your power to give the other team hell, much less when you're doing it for an uh, uh, iconic – original six franchise like the Detroit Red Wings that holds the record 25 straight years in the postseason. You look up at the rafters at LCA, all it is is banners and jerseys. Gordie Howe, Steve Eiserman, Nick Lidstrom, legend, 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 legend. Teams that I grew up, like in my mind, it was a foregone conclusion that the Red Wings were in the playoffs. A foregone, wasn't a possibility, oh, are they going to, no, no, no. They're playing hockey. Okay, the Red Wings will be in the playoffs. Pencil it now. Pencil it now. It doesn't matter who they play. doesn't matter who they lost in free agency. doesn't matter what day the season starts. I don't give a fuck. Red Wings are playing hockey. Okay, they'll be in the playoffs. More people need to act like that and play like that. And I'm hoping a guy like Larkin, who I do believe is a great captain, and I do believe should be the captain. I was super happy when they announced him. Everything he's done this year, whenever I hear him talk, the way he's been on the ice, like much more aggressive and much more I'm not going to take shit from anybody. I'm sick of losing. Like he stood up for himself and the organization much more than he has and other guys have in years past. Like I'm in on Larkin. I'm all the way in on Dylan Larkin. Hopefully he and that mentality can rub off on some of these guys that will be part of the future. Hopefully that rubs off on Mo Sider, Raymond Valeno, those same guys were like, dude, I know we were bad. Like, Mo, you had a great year and I know we still stunk. Don't fucking get used to it. Don't take shit for Victor Hedman wants to face wash you. Fuck him. I don't care who he plays for. I don't care how many Norris trophies he has. I don't give a shit. You play for the Red Wings, Mo. We don't take that from anybody, dude, because we play for the Detroit Red Wings. So I love that Larkin has taken notice of that and seems to like that seems to be a thought in his head the whole have pride in the, in the crest and have pride in this franchise and the people that came before you. Hopefully that rubs off on some of these guys that will be part of the future because you know, there are some guys Mark Stahl, like he may not give a fuck because he may retire very soon. He may be a free agent and go somewhere else. There are plenty of guys on this team that aren't part of the long-term future that don't necessarily need to be invested in the Detroit Red Wings and building a culture and setting the tone for the future and for the young guys. Plenty of guys here that doesn't pertain to, which I understand. Like, it's your job, dude. You don't need to be a Red Wings fan. You just happen to play for them. They happen to pay you. I'm excited to get some of these guys the fuck out. Not because I dislike them. Like You know, fine players, some of them. But I'm excited to get some of those guys to fuck out, some of these stopgap, just plug Band-Aid guys, and let's just bring in everyone and everyone who's going to be a part of the future of this team. I kind of hope Stevie would have done more of that coming into this year, getting rid of some of these stopgap guys like Mark Stahl where it's Danny the Kaiser. I know he's been here for a while, but it's like, bro, you're, this is, you know, you don't have anything. There's nothing for you here. I was kind of hoping he would get rid of more of those guys and bring in more younger guys or even bring in free agents that he saw maybe as a more viable option moving forward, not just a one-year deal. And it's fine that he didn't, he didn't have to, I understand. But culture-wise, I'm ready for this team to become more so people who should be invested in the Red Wings and who will be a part of this team moving forward more than, oh, you need a job. You're the you're blue liner and you need a job for a year or two. All right, we don't want to spend money, so come play with the Red Wings. Because at some point, maybe you got them on a great deal, right? Maybe it was more economic for the cap, whatever. At some point, having guys around that don't really give a fuck that they play for the Red Wings, having guys around that are fine with getting their teeth kicked in on Easter Sunday by the Florida Panthers – at some point, that will rub off on a Simon Edvinson when he gets to Detroit. That will rub off on a Jonathan Bergerin when he gets to Detroit. They go, oh, these guys don't give a fuck. This 30-year-old I play with doesn't care. Why would I care? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Cut that out. And I'm a fan of Larkin for, for making it known. One last thing on the on the Red Wings. Saw a bunch of stuff on Twitter, on the internet this week people talking about people saying they don't like Dylan Larkin as the captain. They don't believe Dylan Larkin's a first line center. Okay. Okay. Let me preface this. I don't think I saw anyone actually saying Dylan Larkin stinks. Dylan Larkin shouldn't be the captain. Dylan Larkin. I'm an idiot. I don't think I saw anybody outing themselves as having brains made of jello. I don't think I saw that, but I did see a lot of people doing the, if you think Dylan Larkin stinks, you're a moron. So kind of like responding to people that would have said that, I don't know if it's even true. I don't know if that, I don't know. Because again, I didn't see anyone actually roast Dylan Larkin. But if there are people out there who don't think Larkin should be the captain or don't think he has what it takes to be a first-line center, you are an idiot, dude. You don't know anything. Sorry, don't want to be mean. You don't know anything. How could you watch what Dylan Larkin did this year and have either of those thoughts? Captain, we just talked about it. He's saying people have pride in the wear, in wearing the wing wheel. That fucking means something. That's special. We saw him. He gets hit in the back. He will sucker punch you in the mouth. Hopefully end you. Hopefully end you for a couple weeks. He will get in your face. He will shove you to the fucking ground if you touch his goalie. He doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care that he's supposed to be a skill guy or he's the captain or the Red Wings think he's tired of it. One. Two, he had by far the most productive season we've seen him have. Finally, get him a guy in Lucas Raymond to play with. Bertuzzi stays healthy. What do you know what? Dylan Larkin looks elite. He's scoring goals. I don't know how they went in. He's making plays. Don't know how he did that. He's putting blood, sweat, and tears to back check on a shorthanded breakaway to make sure Artemi Artemi Panarin doesn't bury one, yet he doesn't have what it takes to be an elite first-line center. Spare me. He doesn't have what it takes to be the captain. Spare me. Steve Eiserman picked them. Steve Eiserman could have scooped up Oscar the Grouch and put the C on his chest. And I would have been like, all right, cool, Oscar, let's roll. You ever played hockey before? You know what hockey is? Ever seen a hockey puck? Anyone ever throw one of those away in your bed, in your bedroom? Like, I don't care. Steve Eiserman gives you the blessing. I give you the blessing to think that there are people out there who like, don't believe in what Steve Eiserman sees in Dylan Larkin or disagree with the talent or the character and leadership that Steve Eiserman sees in Dylan Larkin, are you on drugs and where'd you get them? Because they for sure aren't sold anywhere near me. I've never even heard of the type of drugs that would make your brain act in that way. Honest to God. The FDA certainly doesn't regulate them. No chance. Where'd you get them and why and how And and where'd your brain come from? Because it doesn't make sense. It'd be one thing if he had a little bit of a down year. Maybe he got hurt, right? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it does suck that they were getting their teeth kicked in there. But, like, Dylan Larkin isn't every skater. Dylan Larkin doesn't play goalie. Dylan Larkin's not the fucking coach. This guy can only do so much. It's not a tennis match. He had an unbelievable season. He was doing things. He had a little tear there where it was like, this guy's one of the best players in hockey. And people still have the audacity to doubt him. There's a lot to dislike about what happened with the Red Wings this year. There's a lot to be disappointed in and questions to be had moving forward. If Dylan Larkin is on that docket, you've got your priorities fucked up, dude. You are in the wrong place talking to the wrong people. You're trying to buy spaghetti from a Chinese restaurant, man. You're in the wrong place. Go down to the street to Antonio's. Get your spaghetti there. Dylan Larkin's the captain. He should be the captain. He will be the captain. And he is the best choice. He will lead us as the captain. Bring in more talent. We saw this here. You brought up a couple more guys. Things got better. Bring up a few more. Edvinson, Berggren, Soderblom, maybe Johansson. Maybe you finally go out and get a free agent that isn't just a warm body. He's a warm body that can use his hands. He's a warm body that can skate a little bit. He's a warm body that knows how to get a guy like Lucas Raymond the puck. Do a little bit more of that. Dylan Larkin's gonna be a better captain because he'll be he'll be surrounded by more talent. That's all I got on the Red Wings for now. Um, let's do. Hmm, do I want to do a quick break or do we want to just slide into the Tiger stuff? Well, do, okay. Here's what we'll do: we'll do a little bit on Michigan State recruiting, and then I will take a quick break. Fuck me, dude! I got to go to the airport in like 15 minutes. Okay, we'll do. Five minutes on MSU recruiting, quick break. We'll do a little bit on the Tigers and we'll call it a day. It's tough, by the way. I'm thinking like how I want to cover the Tigers this year. It's tough because they play every day and I'm not going to do a podcast every single night the Tigers play. I feel like baseball, the best way is to just do summarize a week because I am going to miss moments. Like last week, the Torkelson home run in Kansas City, fucking sweet. They haven't been great since then. They don't hit. Since then, Mize on the DL, Manning on the DL, Baez on the DL, and now Miggy chasing 3,000. Like, it is weird how big things happen in individual games with baseball, but it's just not feasible for me to come on here and do every single game. So, I mean, if you want that, Chris Castellani's your man. He's unbelievable. So I think we'll do a little bit of state recruiting, quick break, and then Tigers. State recruiting. Spring game was last weekend. I just want to say this, and I don't want to spend too much time because I know I become redundant. I'm aware I can hear myself. I mean, I'm the guy coming up with the thoughts of of words to say. The thing that's happening at MSU, like it, it hasn't happened before. And it's so funny to me because I try to be fairly unbiased. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm biased. (laughs) <laughs> who isn't biased. If you think you're unbiased, you're more biased than anybody else. If you think you're unbiased, you're lying to yourself. Everyone's biased. If you truly care about something, guess what? You're biased. That's why the term conflict of interest exists. I try to be unbiased, right? Like I, as, as unbiased as I possibly can be. When I talk about MSU, because I get high on MSU, like I'll tell you the Tigers got kind of stink, I'll tell you the Red Wings fizzled out. I'll tell you the Pistons just are the worst team in the NBA again with Kate, which is disappointing. I'll tell you the lines are the fucking lines. Like, I'll give it to you straight. I don't have a team or, or something that I follow and care about that has as much positivity and as much hype behind it as Michigan State football with a guy in charge that I couldn't believe more in. Like, I'm surprised Mel Tucker hasn't walked on water just yet. Check that out, though. Red Cedar this summer, Mel Tucker walk on water tour. Wouldn't be surprised. There's nothing that gives me hope and gases me up like MSU football, so it's harder for me to look at it, I guess, from a negative angle or from an unbiased, like, by low angle. So I'm going to try for a second. I understand where people would come from with MSU football. Okay, you you got smacked by Ohio State. Yep. Yep, it didn't feel good, dude. You thought Chris Rock, you felt bad for him? Did you watch that game in Columbus? Chris Rock got fucking love tapped. We got smacked by Ohio State, which wasn't good. Sure, his first recruiting class is nothing incredible. Last year's even, nothing incredible. It is a top 25 class which is the first time that's happened since 2016, I believe. It is a class the likes of which we don't see at Michigan State. Even in those years, D'Antonio was winning Big Ten championships. But I hear you. Only it was like 22nd or 23rd overall. Nothing insane. I hear you. And this class right now, the class of twenty twenty three, I think it's ranked like fourteenth, which is another improvement that truly we haven't seen at MSU. And it's early in the cycle, and it's still fourteenth. It's nothing crazy. It not might not necessarily compete with Ohio State. I hear you. And they did go eleven and two, and they did have Kenneth Walker. And now Kenneth Walker is going to be a pro. He won't be around. He won't be around to make some incredible plays to single handedly beat Michigan. At home, he won't be around in what some people's minds would say to bail out Mel Tucker. Okay, I understand. Here's what we need to realize, and what I've been saying honestly since summer of 2021 for at least almost a year now about this program and about Mel Tucker and where Michigan State is headed. It's different now. I understand Kenneth Walker's gone, but the guy who identified Kenneth Walker, listen, he was a running back at Wake Forest. There's 162 programs in college football, I believe. Of those 162, or maybe fewer in football, but of those 100 whatever-it-is programs, Mel Tucker was the guy that saw Kenneth Walker at Wake and went, oh, he could win a Heisman. He might be a first-round running back. Jim Harbaugh didn't do it. Ryan Day didn't do it. Nick Saban didn't do it. Kirby Smart didn't do it. Lincoln Riley didn't do it. None of them did that. None of them. Maybe they didn't have to. Maybe they had their stud running backs already in place, which is fair. But people love to say, oh, you don't have Kenneth Walker anymore. That's too bad. We have the guy who got Kenneth Walker. If you teach, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. We have the fucking fishing instructor, dog. We have the guy with his bait and tackle box hanging out on the sidelines in East Lansing. Not the dude who showed up with a store-bought salmon from Kroger. No, no, no. We We got the dude with the fishing rod, hook, line, and sinker just reeling up bluegill for days. That's who we got. Give me that. Give me the identifier. Give me the talent evaluator. Give me the fucking general manager who knows talent when he sees it. He's recruiting at a level. The spring game, four of the top 15 or the top 20 players in the country. Four of the top 15 players in the country were in East Lansing for the spring game last weekend. What? What? If that had dude, Bama, it'd be like, damn, that's a sick recruiting weekend at Alabama. That's a sick recruiting weekend down in Athens, Georgia. Four of the top 15 were in East Lansing on a 40 degree pissing rain, cloudy, cold ass day in front of 20,000 people at a fucking practice in East Lansing, Michigan. Oh, and by the way, Georgia had their spring game. I believe Ohio or no, Alabama had their spring game and Clemson had their spring game. Four of the top 20 players were in East Lansing, Michigan, though, for Mel Tucker, for Michigan State. But people want to tell me that they aren't a sleeping giant. Michigan State has had the resources at its feet for years. The alumni base, the passion for sports, obviously within the alumni base and the student body and the state of Michigan, like, People don't understand it's different in the SEC. No, dude. Michigan, people are fucking obsessed with football. People love football in the state of Michigan. People that go to Michigan State that are affiliated with it love football. And by the way, there are a lot of rich people that went to Michigan State that love football that would give away a little bit of their fortune to see Michigan State football hold trophies. They have a guy in Mel Tucker who can identify talent, who can sell the school, who knows its strengths, who knows its weaknesses, who knows how to leverage those and pitch it to high school kids. He is going to bring elite talent to this university. Talent the likes of which we have never seen before. We've won Big Tens. We've won Rose Bowls. We've made it to the college football playoff. He is going to bring talent the likes of which MSU has never seen before. He's bringing in. Professional organizations. He's running it in a way that they will become a feeder to the league. He is emulating Alabama. He's emulating Georgia. He's building an SEC top-tier NFL feeder in East Lansing, Michigan. It is a fact. Maybe they go eight and four this this year. Maybe. You're right. Maybe. He hasn't had all of his top guys come in yet. Maybe. I don't think they will, but maybe. All I know is this the direction of this program the potential it has, the resources that have been tapped into and will continue to be tapped into. Michigan State football is a sleeping giant that is finally starting to wake. People don't want to admit it. People love to deny it. Oh, you had one good season. I don't even care anymore about the haters because I know. Things are changing at MSU. It is going to be different. The caliber of player will be different. The feeling, the culture will be different. Mel Tucker is turning this team and program into an SEC-esque powerhouse in college football. Deal with it. Quick break, a little bit of Tigers. All right, let's rip Tigers for 10 minutes. I'd really – I got to go to the airport. So, 10 minutes. 10 minutes tops. Hold me to it. Somebody cut me off. Somebody out there. Wave your hand if I go over 10 minutes. All right, the Tigers. Five and seven after beating the Yankees today. Um, They play the Rockies, start the series with them tomorrow at Comerica Park. You should be there. If you're in Detroit, I don't know how you couldn't be there. I know it might rain, but like Miggy's 3,000th hit. This team, it's Friday night. It's not going to be bitterly cold. I'd still bundle up a little bit, but it's not going to be terrible. And then Saturday, Sunday are supposed to be beautiful. It's going to be a great weekend to Detroit and for Tigers baseball. Kind of a disappointing start. I mean, certainly when you look at the fact Baez now injured, Mize, Manning, all injured. That sucks, dude. That fucking blows. Three of the guys, and not only that we're going to help this team win a lot of games, three, excuse me, three of the guys that were young, And like the the playmakers, like the guys you wanted to come watch. Not only were they going to help you win, like I want to watch my pitch every night. I want to watch Manning make all those starts. I want to watch Javi play shortstop every day. I want to watch Javi hit more walk-offs. He was electric. He gave us just a little bit of taste, dude. The ultimate blue balls, blue baseballs from Javi Baez. Like he's giving us the walk-off. He's doing things in the field. He said, Detroit, he's speaking with his accent. I'm going El Mago. And then his thumb goes to hell. Like that sucks. If they can just stave this off, like float around 500 as long as you possibly can. I saw Mize shouldn't be out too long, a couple weeks maybe. Just stave this off. Riley Green hopefully is back in a couple more weeks. Stave this off. Float as near 500 as you can and wait for the reinforcements to come because there's nothing you can do. Injuries happen. Fucking blows it all happened at once, and it blows that it happened to two of your headline starters and your, your, your star shortstop like the three worst people that probably could have happened to outside of Tarek Skubal fucking knock on wood, dude. I get it sucks. There's no doubt. I am a little disappointed in this team though. And how couldn't you be right? Like outside of the Miguel Cabrera 3000th hit, he's actually having a pretty good year. Miggy. I think he's either high two nineties or low three hundreds after today. Like he's hitting the ball pretty well outside of Miggy. Nobody, nobody can hit the baseball Torkelson had the two run Jack at Kansas city last Friday, which was awesome. Won the game like great moment. Another reason like he's a guy you're tuning in for. I just want to see Torkelson bat. And that's been great, but he's been struggling. He's drawing some walks. He's struggling to hit the ball. Jamer is in the fucking doghouse. Jonathan scopes, but a baseball bat looks like a toothpick, when he swings it, Badu hasn't done anything. Austin Meadows has been good, which has been nice because, God forbid, he, he isn't good. I don't know where this team would be winless potentially. No, Javi Baez, like we mentioned, has killed Detroit because he was one of the only effective bats. Like Eric Haas has struggled outside of opening day. Someone needs to step up and figure out how to hit the baseball. I like the pitching, I think, has been okay. You all things considered, Mize going out, Manning going out. The pitching's been okay. The bullpen was unreal tonight against the Yankees or today against the Yankees. Gregory Soto, bases loaded, one out. Fucking don't worry about it, AJ. I got, I got this. El Demonio. I just you got to hit the ball, and it's frustrating that it's the hitting. The lineup that's let us down because that felt like the one big thing we upgraded this offseason. You bring in an Austin Meadows, bring up Torkelson Green, who hasn't played. You return Jonathan Scope. You return Jamer. Both had great years last year. You return Badu, who was great last year. Miguel Cabrera, obviously, and he's been above what we expected him to be. And the problem has been hitting the ball. Like, God, that sucks, man. God. That sucks, especially when you're getting pretty good pitching. How many games now have the Tigers lost? Four to two, five to three, three to one. How many games now where it's okay, they gave up a couple runs, but unless it's Mize, Manning, or Scoobal, are you really expecting like a seven run or seven inning, one run outing? Are you really expecting that from anyone in the rotation? Even Mize, like, if he goes five innings none, none earned or one inning, I'm like, okay, that's decent. I'll take that, Casey. Then the Tigers giving up two, three, four runs in a game. You should be able to win those games. Like, it felt like the moves made this offseason elevated the lineup enough to where they could overcome that. It felt like they were overcoming that number last year. Like, there were times where you looked at what the lineup did last year, what scope was doing. Jamer, these guys who are just struggling so much, Eric Haas, And it was like, dude, if you throw in a shortstop and then you throw in Torkelson, that's like a decent lineup. Forget adding Austin Meadows on top of that. Like, we got something cooking with that. We have The Tigers kind of had something cooking last year with their lineup. And then you gave the thought, dude, give me another bat or two. This lineup will win games. This lineup will put up numbers. And they haven't. They've been silent. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it's cold in Detroit. Um, I don't know, like, is chemistry of the batting order a thing? Like, is Austin Meadows, you know, is Eric Koss used to hitting behind him? I feel like that shouldn't exist. Jonathan Scope, is he used to Spencer Torkelson being somewhere in that lineup? Does that make any sense? I don't think so. I don't know what it is. Tucker Barnhart, as great as he is defensively, fucking blows chunks at the plate, it's just tough the way that these guys are losing, and it's tough that these games have been so close. They got blown out by the Red Sox once, but it's like the 4-2 loss where it's like four runs. We have guys that that should be able to hit the ball, and, and that might be the worst part. Like, I can deal with Torkelson struggling. He's a rookie. They played 12 games. He had the home run. Like, he'll figure it out, dude. He's fine. He's drawing walks like he is catching up to speed. He is starting to figure it out and see the ball. Like I can live with the 20 year old kid struggling. What irks me more is like, Jonathan scope, you've raked your entire time in Detroit. All you've done is hit the baseball. All you've done has been the best bat in the lineup year after year. Uh, well, like now's your time here. It is Jonathan. You're tired of losing. You're tired of hitting doubles and nobody hitting you in. Here you go, buddy. Like, we've got some help now. We've There's some horses in the stable, right? You can take a little bit of a shock to the ass. Horses are in the stable. Horse stock is attached. la do da and a Something in my tract or diamonds in my bladder. Jamer, he was hitting 300 last year. He was hitting for extra bases. Like, it felt like he kind of broke out last season where it was, get someone to knock Jamer in. Have, so, have Jamer protect someone? Like, now we're talking. He's been nowhere to be found. He can't put the bat on the ball. Akil Badu, he's another one of the young guys where I'll have more patience with. And what's nice about him is he doesn't need to hit darts everywhere. Like, he had a – I think it was last night against the Yankees or two nights ago. He had a ball, just kind of a dribbler to, I think it was the shortstop up the middle and he just beat it out. Cause he's too fast. Like he'll get bases like that. A double for other guys will be a triple for him. Like he makes more things happen, which is nice. And he's a young guy. So I I'm inclined to be more patient, but he's another guy where it's like a kill. You were kind of the fucking man last year, dude, not to hype you up too much. You were kind of the man and you are not the man right now. Like we need you to be at least half a man. I don't know, something, a quarter? Like, can we settle on a quarter of a man? We need him to pick it up. Eric Haas. I'm not expecting Eric Haas to hit 300, but he's hitting like 150 right now. Bro, I, I love his swing. When he puts the bat on the ball, it feels like it goes. Like, you, you got to start doing something, Eric. I don't need a ton out of you. Need something. I, I do need something, though. Miguel Cabrera shouldn't be the guy carrying this lineup to three runs. Austin Meadows, I guess, should be. Like, he's the one guy that has panned out. He's the one guy that we expected to come in and add a legitimate bat to this lineup, help put up runs, and he has done that. Javi as well, but Javi obviously out, hasn't played many games. We need these guys that we supplemented. We need these guys that we took from last year. We looked at them last year and went, okay, if we add a couple pieces here, now we really have something. We had something when it was just them. We need those guys, these core pieces, the foundation bricks. You need to fulfill the expectation. You need to play up to the standard, especially if Casey Mize is going to have to start missing starts, especially if Matt Manning has to miss starts. We need you guys to pick up the slack. We needed this lineup to take a step forward if we didn't have a single pitcher get hurt and they played to the maximum potential all season long if Tarek Skubal played as best as he possibly could, if Mize pitched as well as he possibly could all season long, if we wanted any shot at, at making a playoff appearance this year, the lineup needs to show up. That's always been the biggest weakness. Throughout this entire rebuild, nobody fucking hits the baseball and now Miguel Cabrera's doing it at the ripe age of 34 or 5 or whatever he is, 38 maybe, I don't even know, chasing hit number 3,000 tonight. He's the one hitting 300, putting the bat on the ball and getting on base, and nobody's going to help him out. Miguel Cabrera, one of the greatest baseball players to ever live, chasing his 3,000th hit. He's sick of losing. The last six, seven years of his career have been on garbage-ass losing teams after going through a run in Detroit where all they did was compete, And he's doing his part to compete once again, and nobody's helping him out outside of the dude we traded for from Tampa Bay two days before the season started. Love Austin Meadows. Happy to have him. Glad he's hitting the ball. Glad he's doing well. Need more. Need more. It shouldn't be the Austin Meadows and Miguel Cabrera show. It shouldn't be, did Austin Meadows have a two-RBI double tonight? No? Okay, we lost. That shouldn't be the stipulation. That's the frustrating part of this team. Not only that, but the errors on the infield. We saw the Yankees series. It was pathetic. Oh, man. This is the frustrating part. The Yankees series was pathetic. I mean, pop-ups. that, Dude, when I was in, I think it was sixth grade, I remember we would do drills. The coach brings out the fungo, pop-up. First baseman, who's got it? Third, you got it? You're calling people off. You're catching the pop-up because it's, I don't know, like the easiest thing you can do in the game of baseball is just, oh, little pop-up, catch it. Easiest thing you can do in baseball. These guys are letting the Yankees score two runs on a pop-up that goes to the pitcher. Covered that shit in sixth grade, dude. Dribbler, back to the mound. Double play opportunity. Who's got the bag? Communicate. Who's got the bag? And, oh, yeah, by the way, pitcher, you ever seen football? You know how they throw it to where the wide receiver is going? To be, They don't tell Randy Moss, hey, go deep, and then throw it to where he was standing on the line of scrimmage. No, they throw it to where he's going to be on the base. Who who was that? I can't even remember his name now. Fuck. piss me off, though, whoever it was. You throw it to the base. You throw it to where he's going to be. Second baseman and shortstop both converging, like who's looking at the ball, looking at the base. They don't want to collide. They don't want to miss the throw. Ball ends up in center field, next at bat, base hit, Yankee score again. They're making errors in the field that are just inexcusable. They're making errors that are not only are they inexcusable for a professional baseball team, um, they're inexcusable for the Detroit Tigers. They're most certainly inexcusable for the Detroit Tigers coached by A.J. Hinch. They're inexcusable for fucking anyone who's ever held a baseball mat. Anyone who's ever played a game of Mario baseball. A dribbler back to the mound, and we can't even get one out? An infield fly and two guys score? What? What? When I was 15 umpiring games, the little kids who were eating apple slices in the on-deck circle knew more about the game, played cleaner baseball than that. It's pathetic. And again, I'll say it one more time. When you're a team that's struggling to hit, as the Tigers have, when you're a team that, hey, you don't have a ton of superstar power in the lineup or on the mound. You can't afford to just spot the New York Yankees, as bad as they've been, two runs on an infield fly with two outs. It's inexcusable. I don't give a fuck if you were playing in the Northern Tundra. I don't care if the game's happening in the Bermuda Triangle, dude. I don't care if there's a dust storm in the Sahara and the fly ball goes up. It's an infield fly. Catch that shit. You are a professional baseball player. Catch it. My freshman baseball team, people would look at you differently if you dropped that. These guys can't do it. It's embarrassing. And then you lose the game three to one. Oh, that would have been nice if you didn't give up the two runs on the pop-up. That Would have been sweet. Dribbler back to the mound. Would have been cool if you didn't throw it seven feet behind the shortstop running to the base where you're supposed to throw it. Would have been cool. feel like that was probably covered in spring training when you were 12. It's inexcusable. That's the worst part about the Tigers. Now, that all said, I've gone. I'm going over ten minutes. I do need to go. That all said, it's not. I'm not down on this team. I still have faith that they can make a playoff run. Get some of these guys back. The bats have to come alive. Like Jonathan Scope has to be better than this statistically. Candelario has to be better than this. Badu Torkelson, like, they only can go up. I think it will get better. They will start to score runs. I think the pitching's been pretty good, to be honest. The bullpen's been fine. starting rotation, they have pieced together starts. The fielding <laughs> has to has to be figured out. And I think the bats will come along like five and seven after kind of what's happened, the injuries and how they've looked isn't the worst. It could be worse. They've won a couple close games. They've lost a few close games. I still have faith in this team. I like the pieces that they got. I like the moves that they made. I still think good things are on the horizon, but kind of a disheartening first week. Okay. That's all I got today. Everyone appreciate everyone listening. Like I've said, this is going to be on YouTube as well. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, it's going to be on YouTube at Detroit sports nation, as well as my channel, the second string. So watch it on YouTube. If you're a watching podcast person, check out the shirts, TheSecondString.com. new tigers, fire this gas, um, always new stuff going up there. If you're a Chicago person, I'm putting new Chicago stuff up. Check that out. Appreciate the support. Appreciate everyone who messages me and you know, the whole, like, keep going. I enjoy your content. Always feels good. To the moon, I suppose. Until next week.